Welcome to The Music That Makes Us, a podcast of music and musicians that help shape and form various stages of our musical lives. From early childhood to early adulthood to now, we take a look back at artists and musical movements of yesteryear and the memories they provided. We are not professionals, but just fans of music and how it affects our lives. So sit back and put on your headphones or take and take a trip back and maybe forward on this musical journey. I'm Donnie Z. And I'm Randy T ready to take you back to the music that makes us. For today's episode, we will be looking at the hard rock juggernaut that was Guns N' Roses and how their music came to be in our lives. Uh, Welcome back to another episode of the music that makes us. I'm Randy T., I'm Donnie Z. And we are back. It's been a few weeks. Uh, it's been three weeks. I think this might be our uh, longest time between episodes. Yeah, the start of the school year kind of knocked us both for a loop, you know, after being out for five months like we were at the end of last year and through the summer and everything. It took a little bit of uh, adjusting to get back. And then also we have high school age children so adjusting to their schedules and extracurriculars and everything yeah. so we got to figure out a time to sit down and do this so here we are you know and uh, we decided a few weeks ago uh well th- that night that <laughs> we wanted to, the last time we did our podcast for boston uh one of the groups that was mentioned in that episode was uh guns and roses exactly and, and they are the ones that um actually um beat them for the most sales of a debut album. And what a debut album it was. Holy smokes. Man, it has been a fun few weeks just going back in their catalog and and, and just listening and remembering some of the things that uh, happened to us back in the day in the late 80s with this band. I was saying earlier, just going through and re-listening to everything, it just brought back a wave of memories and just musical muscle memory just came back listening to the songs just remembering the the bass lines the guitar riffs the drum crashes everything all the lyrics to all the songs it wasn't just oh i remember these words it was a complete and just total wash over of everything that they had done and just because this was a seminal seminal album for me anyway at this time it was i remember having this tape and just playing it over and over it was one of those you're done you flip it and you start again yeah i mean that's how that's how it was for me yeah it it is it it just is solid it it is even more fun to listen to it today than and you know as just as much as it was when i was a kid and you know we were we were in high school in uh, early years of high school uh, my earliest memory is, you know, freshman in high school and, and the mix, you know, of, you know, we would always listen to mixes in, in, in the locker room or we'd listen to tapes and they were always hard rock tapes. We always had the ACDC blaring before practice, after practice, before games. But then all of a sudden, this you start hearing this different sound coming through, the, you know, the seniors are bringing it in and it's, it's GNR and, and this... The songs um, got put into our heads. I mean, because we listened to it so much in that football locker room. Oh yeah, it was it was constant, and you know, there's there's this whole album is just unbelievably just one after another. They just seem to kind of feed into each other, and one sets up the other one so mm-hmm. well. 
to the point that you're just it keeps it's like oh yeah forget about it. oh yeah oh and just you know we'll get into the specifics here in a minute but this I mean it took over every middle middle class to whatever high school across the country I mean all over the world you know just the touring that they did and you know there wasn't an overnight success by any means but you know same thing freshman year in high school sophomore year in high school you know, it carried over. It wasn't just like, oh, it's just one year. Right. It was. It was the entire time. And that was just it about this. This. Uh, this album is it. It carried over throughout the year. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'll get into it a little later. How much this album carried over, especially in in, in Cincinnati. Um, you know, but they they it's it, they had an interesting start. Um, you know, they they were a combination basically of Hollywood Rose and L.A. Guns. Um, but you know, and it took a while. A couple, a couple guys came in. A couple guys quit. And but it, you know, they ended up coming up with that classic lineup of Axl Rose, Izzy Stradlin, Stradlin uh, Slash, Steve um, Adler, and Duff Rose um, McKagan. Um, and basically, you know, it was formed after July Fourth, nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, and it was it was interesting. I mean, for me, hearing the band, it was one of those like you you know you like it. You know that this is a different kind of music, but it was it wasn't that hair metal that was going on no, with, man. with Poison and even Motley Crue to a certain extent. Motley Crue was a little bit more on the edge, but like the Warrants, the Wingers, the Stripers, you know, Dokken, you know, there's even within that hair mm-hmm. metal phase, Guns N' Roses was just hard. Rock. They rocked. They rocked. They, they, they rocked so much that you know, uh, Paul Stanley um, w- w- of Kiss was actually being considered to produce their Appetite uh, for Construction, uh, Appetite for Destruction album, and um, he wanted. He wanted. The problem was is he wanted to change Adler's drum set more than Adler wanted it oh, changed. And that would have been a huge mistake because just hearing just the drums on all the song, like just mm-hmm. re-listening this week, just the blaring just everything about it just is so prominent you know every single instrument you know we'll go over it again like i said but you know ed you know obviously we were all introduced by welcome to the jungle on the video and just kind of taking us back and like we'll break that down in a little bit too but just the look that they had and while they had you know axel had the big hair but slash had his top hat, his big old curly hair that stuck out. You couldn't really see his face and his expression seemed to be the same the entire time. Mm -hmm. But I remember too, this is the first time I really noticed, you know, they had two guitar players. I'm like, Mm -hmm. what was that about? And it, I mean, obviously it works. I'm just used to the, the guitar, bass, drums, lead singer. And sometimes the lead singer would be a rhythm guitarist too. But I think the one big prominent part or piece of this band too was axel's voice oh man i i don't where it's just amazing there's nothing like it no there's nothing like it at all and there's only one slight comparison that i can bring bring it to and we'll talk about that later when we talk about some of the cover songs that they've done Mm -hmm. early on through this that are outstanding as well um but another um, aspect i like to kind of connect with guns and roses is they're kind of like a um barrier breakers in a sense that you know you have your social strata your social groups that you had in high school with you know you belong to this clique or this specific jocks stoners 
band geeks, whatever. It kind of brought everybody together. It did. Because <laughs> yeah, if you were like, if you were in a certain group, it's like you only listen to a certain kind of music. Right. And if you didn't or you listen to something outside of your respective group, it was like, What's wrong with you? Right. Oh. But there was nothing wrong with any of us. No. You know, we looked at a lot of that like they like GNR and yeah. There was nothing wrong. You know, there was no judging. You know, they, they cut their teeth early um, on, on Sunset, you know, playing clubs like the Troubadour and the Roxy. And you had me last night. You said, um, you need to watch The Rainbow on, um, was it Prime? On Amazon Prime. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll watch The Rainbow. Uh, amazing. Um, it it's basically covers the, the, the bar that's stuck right next to the Roxy. It's a, another bar. Not, mm-hmm. And, you know, it just talks about that family that owned it. And the family also ran the, the Whiskey Go-Go. Yep. And to hear the stories of, you know, Slash wanting to, you know, get in there and trying to, you know, using his fake ID mm-hmm. at 15 years old, yeah. you know, going there. And it's like, well, he was, he, he everything that they did. They, they, everything they wrote about, they lived. Exactly. Kind of the opposite of what Boston did when they, when Boston was talking about um, the, the their song on their debut album, mm-hmm. how they, how they live. You know, the, the, the lyrics, you know, make it sound like they were a traveling band, but they really weren't. Yeah. But when it comes down to Guns and Roses, they lived it. They lived their lyrics. Oh, they lived it, and then some. I mean, it was that decadence of the '80s, living on the Sunset Strip. You know, everybody crammed into these little small apartments and hotel rooms and whatever it is. You know, it's like you said, they're the formation of two bands where it was Hollywood Rose and L.A. Guns. And it was like the original was Tracy Guns, who, you know, eventually left. And then two other guys, um, Oli Bike or Beck on the bass and Rob Gardner and then Izzy and Axel. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as has been the history with Guns N' Roses, there's disputes and arguments. So Tracy Guns quits, um, Oli Beck quits, Rob Gardner quits. And they're like, okay, that's fine. We've got our boys. We'll bring them in. And interestingly enough, you know, Izzy and Axel were high school friends from back in Indiana. And Slash and Steven Adler were junior fri- or friends in junior high. Mm-hmm. So they knew each other and Duff's the only one who didn't know anybody and he grew up in the Seattle area, but he still was in a punk band up there and came down and wanted to get part of the LA scene. Um, but you know, once they got together, you know, that's the true lineup, like you'd said earlier, that we know of Guns N' Roses. And once they got together and got in the studio and got busy recording, they yeah. just it was in recording for Geffen Records. Um, it's in, an interesting story. Is them they were looking at Chrysalis Records and Geffen, and it came down basically to um, Geffen gave a more creative expression and a seventy-five thousand dollar advance on the album that they were going to create. Yeah, and that um, creative expression is was key for the band. Oh yeah, definitely key because you, you're going to find that out from the from the album cover itself. The, you know they they wanted to they went and found this art and the artwork was called Appetite for Destruction it was basically a pretty inappropriate scene on on the cover and they, but they did fight to fight and they, and to to put it out on that cover and the record company originally did put it out on that cover yeah there's some uh, copies floating around somewhere oh and they're this. worth some serious money oh, and now yeah. in Europe they're not as worth as much money because you're in Europe that, that you know that was just a cover and they they're a little bit more um, loose on their their rules and you know what they were looking at they they could look at it more of art but in the U S you know record stores saw them and said I don't want it on my floor yeah there's a lot more 
pushback from that because they want they don't want to offend anybody else. Right. And it, even though it was the '80s, it was still this was some pretty hardcore oh, yeah. art that was. And granted, it was more of a drawing, um, but futuristic. Robots were involved, humans were involved, and if if you want to check it out, you can go look it up. Yeah, yourself. exactly. You know, we, we, don't need to, we don't need to describe it. No, you but, know, it, it is artist. Uh, the artist was Robert Williams. <clears throat> So if you want to go uh, check it out, um, that's the name you might want to do a Google search on. Yeah. So, but even though Appetite blew up our worlds initially when it was released, it was a kind of a dud. It barely cracked the Billboard 200. Um, it was like 187, I think, when it first came out. And the only way it was really promoted was through the video MTV MTV and but well, that, there's an interesting story about that the one that I saw was that they would only play it one time five in the morning on Sundays and Geffen had to trade in a favor for them just to do that yeah so Geffen called in a favor I didn't know what that favor was but um, it was so obscure but even at that point, you know, there's still, I guess, the hard rockers are still up at that point or they're coming in from the mm-hmm. night and they've got MTV on and they saw it. And then their lines, their video lines were flooded with phone calls because it's how it used to be back in the day. You want a video, you had to call right. in and request it. And they got so many requests for it that it just, they couldn't not show it during prime time. And then when it did, that was, that was all was it, it took. Well, you know, I, I, I looked up some of the things going on in 80, in July of 87 when this came out. You know, they had the, the Joshua Tree had just come out that March. Uh, AZT and the A, it was just approved to treat AIDS. WrestleMania 3 was going on. Yes. The Simpsons first first episode appeared on the Tracy Holman show oh, which is interesting because uh, there's a, there's another fact about Simpsons later on that I'll share and MJ Michael Jackson released bad that year and here's one thing that I want to mention the one thing that came out that that same that same summer we all got Rick rolled. Oh, geez, Louise. <laughs> Rick Astley came out that summer, so MTV was pretty busy with some of the some other videos <laughs> to yeah. uh, take a, take a risk on a, a video that some might consider yeah kind of racy for a little know, bit, a and little it, bit. Well, and metal at that time was just kind of niche. It was a very specific category. You know, there was the Headbangers Ball that was on MTV, and they would show. More like again of your your docking, your Motley Crue, your Quiet Riot, those bands that kind of fit nicely into that category. Maybe some Ozzy Osbourne, mm-hmm. you know, because he was solo at the time and everything. But then you know, Guns comes in and they're they're rockers, but their sound is completely different from any yep. of those other guys. Even Motley Crue, who's more you know the harder. But they are definitely something set apart, and they just captivated the world. So, you know, I was thinking about, you know, what's my first impression of this album, which, you know, probably makes it different than some of those heavy other, those other heavy metal bands. And I I think it's the best album that they ever made, of course, but but it was a total band contribution. Mm -hmm. If you look at some of the liner notes, I mean, it's just this person wrote this song, this person, everyone's giving credit in this album, and every song reflects each band member's strength. Agree. They work together to come up with the best songs, but it's also sad to think that, you know, 
what could have been if they would have stayed stayed off the drugs and gotten along after you know recording in, in the other albums you know oh, yeah. what would have happened if they would have put together their strengths for for every album after yeah and we're you know we'll talk about the other albums too but definitely the focus is going to be for appetite for us because it was just such a huge part of not just our lives so many people's lives on top of that but i 100 percent agree that everybody bought in everybody was all there and it was almost like okay we're pushing for this goal of being found you know being Mm -hmm. not necessarily being rich rock stars or being rock stars or whatever but they had this creative vision they you know wouldn't compromise anything they don't care if somebody as big as paul stanley wants to come in and change them nope this is what we want this is what we are we don't want you to put your little glam touch on us because that's kind of what kiss was at that point too they had changed over the years and they weren't the same band they were in the 70s right it's like i don't want you to you know no you don't know what you're talking about and this is what we're and this is what they're going for this is what they went for and that and it was just um it was like nothing we've ever heard since and before I, I, I chant like a, one of my little notes here is like I'll put this up against any hard rock album that has come out since then or before then you know there's yeah. only one other that I that I kind of like because it's fast and hard and it's all the way through and even though it catches some grief but that's Metallica's Saint Anger and it's just that because it's the same thing mm-hmm. from the get-go first note boom it's just hard and fast, right. and that's what appetite is. And they definitely did have the rivalry. Oh yeah, you know, you know, they had between them, and then you know, grunge is kind of on the scene too a little bit. So it's kind of taking away here and there. Or it starts to later on in the late '80s, early '90s. Um, but for that time period, from like '86, '87 through '91, '92, mm-hmm. Guns and Roses just dominated the music scene. that beginning I just it just grabs you from the first note what do you think what do you think of that song what's your first impression I mean, it's the first song on the album I mean that's what you have to have I've always said that from the get-go you have to have a first song a lead-in song mm-hmm. that's just a banger that gets your attention that's right off the get-go it just draws you and you're like what and you're in you commit you're there and it's like you want to see, sit around and hang around for what's next. You know, because we've talked before about how we consume music or how mm-hmm. we used to was we either, most time we had a tape and then it was CD and you could kind of skip around. But when we had the tape, you were basically at yeah. the mercy of it and you didn't want to fast forward because it's like just annoying because you right. didn't know when to stop and do right. everything. So you just listened. And whether it was on your Walkman and you're walking around or you were in your room and you had your tape deck going or if you had the headphones on because your parents didn't like your music and it was too mm-hmm. loud, you know, you try and get one of those longer extension cords <laughs> and so, so you can kind of move a little bit more freely. Yeah. You know, there's there's no Wi-Fi, no, um, no Bose headphones for us, but still it was definitely a way that we listened to it. And that, that song is about as like as, as good as any 
intro song in any album too. Yeah, it just and it, it just it 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 portrayed the attitude of what was to come on that album. And oh, yeah. um, this song is is in Cincinnati is probably it's not my favorite song on the album, but it's a favorite song of mine because of what it meant and what it meant to our city. Because you know, for years Cincinnati had been waiting; they've been waiting for a championship football team. And, you know, the, the years this comes out, you know, the, ne- the 88, 88 comes around, you know, this album's getting big. And, of course, you know, the Bengals, it's, you know, they, they, they feel good. Oh, you yeah. know, they, they, and the Bengal tiger, where does it live? It lives in the jungle. That's right. So this song was immediately adopted by our city as, you know, the, it's the team theme song. And you couldn't go to, and I went to a lot of Bengals games that year. I went to a lot of Holmes games. My my grandfather had uh, season tickets and didn't have any problem giving them to me and a buddy. And we, every time you go down, you would hear that song. What was interesting about that song, though, you would hear, they had a jazz band on the field that would play music, you know, during the during timeouts mm-hmm. and things like that before the game. And this jazz band would play Welcome to the Jungle and we'd kind of look at our, look at each other and go, are they playing Welcome to the Jungle? Oh. So, you know, <laughs> I guess you could say that jazz band probably uh, started the elevator music, you know, taking these hard rock hits and turned them into elevator music. But that is, a, you know, that, that song, from what I understand, is still used today oh, yeah. when you enter the Bengal Stadium. That's Because awesome. you're in the jungle. So It's like announcing their arrival. It's like, here we are, everybody. We're right on the scene. Mm-hmm. You know, and even from the video standpoint, you know, you see... Hayseed Indiana Axel step off the bus and the guitar riff kicks in and he picks, you know, he's got his little foam trucker hat on backwards and his flannel and Mm -hmm. he's like hugging his, his, um, um, suitcase under his arm. And there's a guy leaning up against a, a bench who's played by Izzy and he's like offering him drugs and he's like waves him off. And then, you know, obviously it's dated cause he walks in front of a electronics place that has TVs displayed in the window, which right. is very prominent and popular in you know, New York, Chicago, LA type bigger cities. And, you know, and he stops in front of it and he sees these images of himself and then it just kind of kicks into the video and it's cut back and forth to these live performances and whatnot. And mm-hmm. those performances were filmed at the whiskey. Uh, right. And it's so, and that's, you know, one of the things we learned about, um, from the documentary, from the rainbow, those people, you know, the guys that owned it, the family that owned it, they would let not just guns and roses, but anybody, cause several other musical acts hung out there, but they would let them film videos there yeah. for Wouldn't, free, for free. Wouldn't charge them. Wouldn't yeah. charge them anything. Cause it's like, no, and they said, that's why a lot of musicians hung out there and wanted to record or do or perform there because these guys were so amenable to them and just treated them like family, mm-hmm. you know, and even if they got out of hand, they, you know, they gave them, you know, not warnings, but just kind of like, Hey, you know, you're acting like a fool, you know, right. kind of shape up a little bit, but it was just such a welcoming environment. And, and, you know, not just slash and other members of guns and roses who were interviewed for this agreed with that, but just other people, from other bands and other mm-hmm. musicians of the era and, you know, in the seventies and eighties, nineties and whatnot, just kind of echoed that. So, you know, at the whiskey back and forth and just seeing, you know, I'd never seen a band like that before with Axel and his, you know, unique looking tattoos on his arms, his hair all up, like I said before, and just the, the crowd around him and mm-hmm. just the guitar rips were solid. The drums were just in your face and 
you know, his voice just, it didn't, is piercing, but it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I can't stand to hear that. It was just, it, it was almost like a siren and, right. it, and it brought you in and you're like, what is this? <laughs> you, you know, this, this song has kind of, I mean, there's different stories about the inspiration of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's one story about them getting off at a bus station in New York and, and a, a drunk guy saying, you know, welcome to the jungle, baby, yeah. you're going to die. Yeah. You know, so that's one story. But, you know, you look, you look at another, another site and they're saying, no, it's the last leg of it hitchhiking across the country to L.A. And the guy says that quote there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this, this song is already got legends of how it was, was inspired. And then, you know, you see things like um, that it was played um for the uh, Army Rangers um, that were going to a, um, going into Mogadishu, that nice. Black Hawk Down was um, that Black Hawk Down where Black Hawk Black Hawk Down is um, based on, mm-hmm. and um, th- so the the story is, and like in real life, they listen to Welcome to the Jungle um, before as they're getting their gear and getting ready to go, and um, you know when they made the movie Black Hawk Down, they definitely wanted to use this song. Um, but apparently Axel wanted to re-record it before they could use it and it kind of, you know, just le- legal-wise and so they ended yeah. up using a different song. Um, That's I, unfortunate. I mentioned the the Four Simpsons. This song has been used in Four Simpsons episodes. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, and it's also been used in the Clint Eastwood movie, The Deadpool, and um, of course the classic um, 80s flick, Lean on Me. Oh, yeah. At the very beginning. Very beginning. Because <laughs> you can't think of that movie no. and not, not hear that song and see those lockers and, that, and of that school. Those kids beating up the teacher and security guard and somebody having convulsions right and i'm sure i know i've seen it or heard it in a variety of football movies too whether it was in any given sunday or the program or something where it's like halftime or it's like Mm -hmm. before the game and people are you know running past um i think it was a water cooler and somebody stops and punches it because you know it shatters everywhere and they're all I mean, it's it's the ultimate hype song, right? And it, I think it will be used years to come. How could you not use it? No, using film, yeah. So yeah. it's an amazing song, and it kicks off this album. But then you know, it you get it's so easy. Oh, <laughs> this this song is flat out my favorite on, on the album. It, it is. It's just I can't stop singing it. You, I've been singing it ever since the minute you walked in our door, even before. Um, it's the, it was actually the first single on the album that was released, but it, it flopped in the UK. It did. It was released. I, I read. I saw. I thought three or four months before, but that doesn't make sense time wise from when it came out. So I don't know. But it was released before Welcome right. to the Jungle came. It was. Yeah. And so, you know, they of course wanted to make a video for it, but they wanted to do it their way. So of course they filmed the video at the Cat House um, in Hollywood. And it's it, the video was actually just released last year, this past year, um, on YouTube. They did some kind of special. They put the whole video out where you could watch it on YouTube. And you can watch it. Um, and I'm watching this video, and MTV wouldn't play it. They would not play it. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm like, this is basically... Um, like Motley Crue's Girls, Girls, Girls. Yeah. It truly is. It's not anything worse than anything since, or probably there's been more afterwards. Right. And it's not It's it, it's not any worse no. than that. But w- my question was, why would MTV play Girls, Girls, Girls and not 
it's so easy. Yeah. It just it, it just boggles my mind because I wonder, you know, it, it's it's so easy. Still a big hit, mm-hmm. of course. But would it have been the biggest hit on the album if that video would have been played? Could and have how been. much money could have been generated if that video would have been played? Even more. Even more. I mean, they they stand to profit from it. Even then, some you know, and it's like okay, you'll you'll play girls, girls, girls. You'll play "I Want Your Sex" by George Michael. You'll do the Divinals. I touch my you know. That was every, a little later, yeah. But still, some more controversial, right? By far, you know, and, and anything you know, as far as there wasn't, there's no nudity, right? Nothing even like close to it, you know. I, and I don't know if it came down to the fact that they wanted to keep the language in. You know, yeah. that they insisted on that to, to play it on MTV, or they just didn't care. Yeah. I mean, it could be, but then it's like they, they still would play videos that had language in it. They just bleep it out. Right. And whether the band didn't want them to or whatever, that could be an issue it too. It could be. You know, knowing the history that we know now with everything. But like, I, you're I not going to censor me. <laughs> I sit there and I watch that video. I'm like, man, what it would have been like to be in that crowd. That'll, to be in that small crowd yeah. watching this, this, this video being made and this incredible song that opening bass line is mesmerizing it is it is every time just yeah it's 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 uh it's 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 my favorite on the album um pretty much and there's other good songs there's there's night train um which is actually about a cheap wine <laughs> that, yeah that let's drink uh, Mr. Brownstone, we we all know what that's about. But I didn't know at the time. That's the thing too. No, nah, we didn't. My 14, 15, 16 year old brain didn't no. wasn't connecting anything to alcohol or drugs, you know. Maybe the other allusions to other things and whatnot, but definitely not like I didn't know what heroin was or anything like mm-hmm. that, but it's it kind was, of interesting, you know, because it, it it was incognito all these topics in, in back in the day you you just had to know you had to be more of an yeah. adult to understand it and you know today I was listening to a podcast on um, uh, Cardi B's the, the the is it the WAP the yeah. the new song yeah. and uh, and they started talking about some of the songs that got put on that list by uh, Tipper Gore and all them the the fifteen there's a list of fifteen songs and mm-hmm. there's a Madonna song there's a Prince song and it's kind of like these aren't even that bad you know no. I mean but you know they're on there because they heard that this meant this and apparently you know Mr Brownstone got put through and. No yeah. problem. But it's still, it is, you go through this entire album, it's like, there's not a bad song on this whole no, album. there's none. not. It just kind of, it's like, it used to be, you like, we'd go like, eh, we'll skip this one, or we won't pay attention to this one. It's like, this entire album, it just, you get, you it commands your attention. It does. And it's like, you're singing along, you're doing, you know, you're, you're listening. It's not background music. It's not filler. It's not anything to just kind of pass the, you're listening to this and there's a purpose behind it. You are just focused on that. It's like, I almost missed the turnoff coming over here because I was so into I think it was uh, Think About You. Mm-hmm. Like right when I got like, oh, uh, you. <laughs> and then even others, you know, just subconsciously I'm going, I'm driving and all of a sudden I just look down and my hands are doing mm-hmm. the air guitar on the steering wheel right. and I'm like going super fast and my forearms are tired and I'm like, what, 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 geez right. Louise, man. I mean, and it's got, I mean, we got so much more to talk about and it's, you know, it's got Paradise City, which, 
you know, supposedly where the grass is green and the girls are pretty is referring to Bloomington because he lived in Lafayette and his family would go down to Bloomington. And I guess that was, you know, like a, a paradise to him uh, compared to Lafayette. That's so, funny. Which, I mean, that's another legend of, you know, lyrics and inspiration. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh-huh. But, you know, it, you know, that's something I did research. And then you got Sweet Child of Mine, which actually the influences behind that and I started like I started listening to that song a little closer and some of the influences were Jeff Beck Cream Zeppelin Manfred Mann's Earth Band's version of Blinded by the Light and if you listen to that song you hear it oh yeah in Sweet Child of Mine and then here's the here's the one that kind of threw me was Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street Wow! There's an, yeah, so nice. I started I started listening to that song. And I'm like, I, I hear it. I can hear that influence. And and then of course they were mentioned Leonard Skinner for his down home sound. Yep. You know, so this this song was actually their number one on the Billboard. Yep. You know, and and it, it's not my favorite. No. Um, it, it but um, it's a good song. Just a little fact about it is it, it was played at. You, uh, Dwight and Angela's wedding uh-huh. in the office yep. <laughs> with Phyllis um, carrying her down the aisle. Oh, I just watched that the other day. <laughs> yeah. No but what I do love about this song is it does take me back. It does always take me back to uh, driving around in my 76 Mercury Zephyr with that tape in in high school and listening to that solo that Slash has in that. And oh, it's yeah. Just, it, it just... It, always takes me back to that and that's what i love about that song well in the videos all the videos for those singles so jungle um paradise city and sweet child of mine you know the welcome to the jungle was just they all had their parts where it was live performances but then in the welcome to the jungle was more rocking in your face and you you had the images of violence and sexuality and back and forth, you know, the women and this and that. But then in Paradise City, it was slower and it was, you know, you see sound check, but it was then all of a sudden it just boom kicks in. And then there's this stadium in New York filled with people to the rim. And, you know, it's just a iconic video that you just, I watched it again today and it was like everything like, yep, remember that, remember that, remember that, remember that, remember the girl on the guy's shoulders mm-hmm. swaying back and forth and the couple making out and then Axel taking his sunglasses off and then rocking and, you know, but this was also the first time we saw him without his big hair. So we had his big right. hair for Welcome to the Jungle and then all of a sudden it was just regular, like it always was, just long and whether he had a bandana on or hat backwards or anything, it right. was, you know, but he had his, his white leather on, he looked really cool with that and just the just it was it was loud still it was great the sound you know you could under the lyrics were crisp and clear but then it gets to the end like the last two two and a half minutes of paradise city is where everybody just loses their mm-hmm. mind you know they're playing and it's like all right double speed and it's not just Slash playing the guitar super fast. Right. You can hear Duff strumming away like crazy on the bass. You can hear Steven Adler just snapping yep. those snares off and just drill left. It's like everyone's right. in a competition to keep up with each other. And it's like, that's when I mentioned earlier, my forearms are getting tired because I was doing all <laughs> the different parts on oh, yeah. in there. And I'm like, it's just, you just get this adrenaline rush. Right. And you, how can you not, as a teenage boy, 
listen and, and, to this band right. and, and not I think we just did. be into it. You know, we do driving songs, and you know, if you ask my teenage self, that was yeah, that was definitely my driving song as yeah. a teenage self. Now today, it's a little different, but um, you know, it, it is a great driving song. Yeah, and, and, um, that's that's what changed my mind because mine was gonna be Night Train, uh-huh. and it's still good. I'm like, yeah, this is all right. Good pick. Yeah, good 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 job, <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> Good job, me. Good job, me. And then it gets to Paradise City, and I did. And it comes on. I'm like, ooh, bad choice, me. I'm switching. Yeah, Paradise City is it's silent. You got to listen to it loud. Uh, what we what's interesting about this is I, I guess Sweet Child of Mine is um, considered the ballad, <clears throat> and um, they had November Rain ready to. Go. I mean, they could have been on the album, but they thought, you know, we've already got a ballad. We'll hold it off for another album, yeah. which they did. Well, <laughs> they held it off for another yeah. two albums, but uh, it's, we'll discuss that in a minute. But uh, is there anything else before we, you know, we go on to use your illusion that we need to touch base on uh, on this out this incredible, you know, debut album that is well deserved for being known as the 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 best selling of all time? But I have some qu- I question that now because you know I don't know the exact numbers. Cracked uh, Rearview uh, is. Uh, from what I understand, is is selling has sold more. Really? Yeah. Un- you can unofficially. Check. Unofficially, you can check me on that. I've seen it on different different things, but you know, you go to Wiki, Wiki, Wiki Wikipedia is still saying that Guns N' Roses leads leads the way. And it's so difficult too, because before it was just like all it was was album sales, and now it's you got to throw in the digital yeah. and this and that. It was a little easier to track and follow, but you know, yeah. I I I don't think Sweet Child of Mine is a ballad. I think that's one of the pieces of this album that is so different too at the time is that ballads were super popular in the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was pop songs or especially heavy metal songs, mm-hmm. but like everybody had to have some there was at least one ballad on every heavy metal, hard metal, hair metal, mm-hmm. whatever um, well, not all, but the ones that were commercially advertised right. that played on the radio or had something specific, you know, there were some pretty deep cuts that Excuse me, keep the cut bands that didn't have them. But as far as this one, you know, I don't consider Paradise City because it doesn't follow that pattern of it's slower right. and smoother. And then, oh, here's a little guitar beat in the middle that kind of picks it up a little bit. And then it slows back down and it just eases out. Right. Paradise City ends in a fury. Right. And so does Sweet Child of Mine. Right. It picks it up. It's slow when you're talking and this is nice and sweet and this girl and she reminds me of this and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then Slash just, they just dial it up. You know, you hear do, do, oh, do, do, do. And, well, November Rain kind of does the same thing. They dial it up. Yeah. You but know, then it kind of. Gu- guitars and. It, it ends a little, but it's so. It it's does. So, it's, it does end pretty, pretty. And it's so long, it's, too. It is a long song. It's so, and I think that's more piano dominated. Right. And like Slash does have his solo, but it's like it's more. It's not the typical ballad no. that we've seen or heard and we're right. used to, you know. But that's I. I don't think there's any ballad on here. The last thing I want to say about Appetite is uh, I want um, just just a quick mention. I'm not going to get into the whole thing. Uh, Rocket Queen. Um, I I've re-listened to it in the past few weeks, and it's a great song. And I don't want to get into the whole recording about yeah, it. Um, I agree, but it's an interesting story. And uh, but it's 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 a solid song as well um, that that fits on that album. You know, they went to in '88. They did their lie GNR lies, um, and 
I don't really have much to say about it. I like Patience, which is a great song. I like most of the songs on there. They just haven't aged well right. as far as the lyrics and some of the thematic elements and whatnot. But like at the time, I remember by, I own it. I still have it. Mm-hmm. And I remember listening to it. I remember being, ooh, I got to turn this down though because it's a considerably more, not vulgar, but just more risque, I think, than... Uh, um, what appetite was but that was i think another appeal for us is it had that parental warning sticker that they used to right. have on all the cds and it was like that was a magnet for teenage it may boys. not have been the the best music quality there it's not their best no and but you know the sticker helps sell yeah so Definitely. it's like oh that tells me i'm not supposed to have this so you know what i'm gonna get it right and most of the time we were able to buy those but, you know, there were some cases where, you know, we either got carded or you had had to be, what, 17 to buy it, maybe 18, I don't even know. But a lot of times they didn't care. It right. was just like, okay, here you go, kid, listen to it. And, you know, it was like, not like, ooh, we're, we're doing something we're not supposed to. Right. But it's like you're listening along, waiting to hear where the curse words are. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, there they are. Oh, there they are. But patience is patience is the best best song on that album. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and it, you know that that video was all over the place too. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was the nice like that's a ballad. And I, you know, I patience love patience is a ballad. Um, there's just uh, I love the end of it. I just uh, I love the lyrics at the end of it, and um, that's all I really want to say about that that song at this point but i i really want to get into uh the use your illusion yeah, no more. all right so 91 comes in um they come out with not one, <laughs> but two albums. Two. And um, I, they, I, I mean, I completely remember when this when this album came out. I was a freshman uh, in college, and um, my roommate it was first semester of my, of my freshman year in college, and I had this roommate, and he was probably the biggest Guns N' Roses fan I've ever met, and uh, he definitely went to the record store and, you know, got in line, got, got the albums. And we heard that, we heard those CDs, um, for the next week and week, two weeks, you know, and Easily. The, the, the album was burned into our heads. Yeah. They are the albums. Um, my feelings on this is I wish they had taken the best songs and created one album. No, of course. Um, it, it just, uh, I just really feel like it, it, it would have, it would have, I almost think it would have put the, put it up there as a great sophomore album. Yeah, definitely. Instead of well, it wasn't really a sophomore album, but I mean, it just, it, it would have been up there with Appetite for me. Oh yeah, if they would have been, if, you know, and obviously it's easier for us to look and go, well, this, 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 and this would have been more in tune with the same sound, but they broke from that formula that they used for Appetite, mm-hmm. and it's so evident here, and I 100% agree that they've got enough here, not just for two CDs or two albums, but two double albums. Mm-hmm. So it's the equivalent of four traditional albums, right? Which is overkill, oh, way it, overkill. It and, was, and they had some 
great covers on it that I would actually would have kept on, you know, if I could take one album and make it, I would have kept it on there. And we'll talk about that, our choices in a minute, Yeah, you know, but I do believe that this album demonstrated their maturing as a group on mm-hmm. the pian- with bringing in the piano and the keyboards and the songs. I thought November rain's a great song. It's long, yeah, but it, the, the, the musicianship's amazing. Um, the problem was it was so long that they even started the tour yeah. While they were still making it. Exactly. So they were finishing in studios going across the country. No wonder, you know, they were kind of at odds, Slash and Axel were at odds in trying to finish this album up and trying to agree on something because they're touring at the same time. Yeah. And it was after they had already, because they did, they started as openers for like the Colt, Motley Crue, Alice Cooper, Aerosmith and everything before, um, Appetite really took off. And then even after it did, they toured on the knowledge that they're in the studio. They're making, you know, what would be user illusion one and two, but there wasn't anything really leaking out. Like there appears, you know, that happens today sometimes, or, you know, there's just, but it's there, but they still managed to do another worldwide tour based off of the speculation that it was coming. Right. And what's interesting, you know, starting this, starting this tour, they had the, well, the riot at Riverport yep. in, in St. Louis. And yep. they <laughs> even gave them a chance, even made them, gave them a chance because the album wasn't done to, to put a little message to St. Louis and then on liner notes and on the album. Yeah. You know, so it's just kind of, it's a, it's an interesting um, story, all these songs, but as it comes down in the end, I really, really wish they would have picked um, just 12 songs yeah, and gone with it. Cause I like as listening through, you know, I listened to this again, both of them on the last couple of days and it just seems the songs are slower. You know, there's a lot more ballad to it. There's some bluesiness there. Mm-hmm. It breaks. It's a It's not a hard rocker. Like it's, it's not, not, it's not hard rock. There's a few here that are, but there's one song but, that is my driving song. Yeah. That is a rocking song. I'll get to that. I want to hear your 12 songs. If you could pick 12 songs for to make your own Use Your Illusion album, okay. what would they be? I've got, I went through both albums and it was almost even. Um, I've got two, four, five from Use Your Illusion one and two, four, six from... Um, two, but there's kind of an asterisk. So it's more of, because it's two could be considered ballads. And I'm like, you can't do two ballads on one album. (laughs) Sure you can. No, my, my personal rule, you can't, you can't do it. So I won't do that. What do you got? So so from the first one, I got live and let die. That's the, that's the cover that I'll do too. So it's not only ballads, but also covers, but that's a solid cover. Usually I don't like you know, covers, but especially Beatles songs, but it's pretty iconic. It um, is. They put a video out. It was in Shrek, you know, Shrek yeah. 2, so how, how could it not be right. good? You got It's a good tune. Um, Don't Cry is, I think, the one ballad that I would pick, okay. but I like that We're one. We're two for two. November Rain, even though that's super okay. long. We're three for three. I guess I broke my rule because that's a ballad too. Okay. Dang it. Um, I like Double Talk and Jive. Ooh, okay, we're not. I, I like the music. Okay, I hate the lyrics. Okay, the lyrics stink. The singing stinks. <laughs> okay. but the musically, it's pretty. It's pretty smooth. I like it. Okay, and then I like the garden, 
but I like the end of the garden. I like it from 212 on because it's that traditional, and I'm gonna kind of mope around, and then all of a sudden, I'm just gonna jump in here and rock out and rock this all the way to the okay. end. So those are those are the ones off Use Your Illusion 1. Okay, what about 2? Two? 2, definitely Civil War. Okay. That's what I would lead the whole thing off with, just like just like 2, because mm-hmm. it's, it's a banger right from the get-go. Um, I like Yesterday's. Um, okay. But I'd, I'd like positioning, I'd probably put that towards the end of the album because it's a little lighter and it kind of helps, you know, mm-hmm. segue. It's, diff- it's uh-huh. different from everything else. Okay. Um, I did have Knocking on Heaven's Door because that's a good cover too, but it's the whole, I like, do I really want two covers okay. of songs? Um, same thing with Breakdown. Okay. Like after two minutes when it gets rocking. So if they could like mash up, break down and double talk and jive somehow or know the garden somehow, then just piece those two, you know, series of two minute pieces together Mm -hmm. and then just have one big rocking song. That'd be better for me. Um, I like pretty tied up, man. It's pretty good. That that's my driving song. It's, it's not bad. Cause I'm like, well, oh my gosh, it is. uh, It's funny because I've been getting in the car for, you know, these trips to work and back and it's like, uh, I, I want rock and I look at appetite and I I listen to it sometimes, but sometimes I'm just like, it's not enough Mm -hmm. before I go to appetite. I got, I got to play pretty tied up. Yeah. I just got to play it yeah. and I'll, I'll go and play pretty tied up to get on the road with. And it's, I mean, I like it. It was one of those oh. where I wasn't sure initially and then kind of listen, listen and like, that's not, that's not bad when we decided we were right. going we to do this and like, yeah, for sure. And then you could be mine. Okay. Obviously. Cause you know, you, you can't be a kid or a teenager and not like mm-hmm. Terminator either. I am. Uh, I got some of same of the same. I, I did um, on one. I did dust, dust and bones. Okay. Live and let die. Don't cry. You ain't the first. Bad obsession in November rain. Okay. And then two. I did civil war. Fourteen years. Okay. I I I love that. I love that song. Yesterday's knocking on heaven's door. And shotgun blues, mm-hmm. and then end it with uh, pretty tied up. And it, I'd almost, you know, I, I, it's I just that's my favorite song on out of any Guns N' Roses song. That's my favorite song. Nice, nice. So you know, you had me listen to the Spaghetti Incident, which they put yes. out in '92 after um, after Use Your Illusion, and uh, it's an interesting song because it's covers yep. or interesting album. It's covers. Uh, Mostly punk. It's interesting because they mostly punk. You're absolutely right. Um, it's interesting that they start with such a slow song. Yeah. And then they go into um, harder punk sound. I love the, my favorite song on it's Hair of the Dog. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, that's an old. Oh, yeah. Was it? Where is it? That's a Nazareth song. Yeah. Got to pull up here. Yeah. But, you know, they cover the Stooges, the New York Dolls, the Dam, the Misfits, um, Johnny Thunders, Fear. You know, just iconic punk bands. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of, it was almost like this is what we're going to do to practice to kind of find our own sound by covering these other bands as well. Um, and it's just the, I mean, it's phenomenal. It is just unbelievably captivating. I was I'm like, I can't believe I've never listened to this before, really. I just mm-hmm. up and down, I'm like, wow. Even uh, you can't put your arms around a memory. Mm-hmm. Like it just like it was. I 
kind of blanked out during it and then like stopped and re-listened to it. Right. And just like, wow. Well, you, you texted me the other day and you were like, you need to listen to Spaghetti Incident. And I put it in and you know, it was, it was a rocking album. And I think, you know, I need to go back and, and, and study and listen to it a little closer than what I did the other day. Uh, that's all I can really say about it is I think, I think it's an album that I would put on every now and then just to get a change and yeah. to hear. Yeah. Uh, but, um, not bad. No, not but, bad. but even doing that and like looking up, um, their set list from the original appetite tour, they did a ton of covers. They did of songs mm-hmm. and some of them were on spaghetti incident, but some of the more noteworthy ones, the one that really, really rocked that I'm like, wow, which has a voice comparison that I'd mentioned earlier was whole lot of Rosie mm-hmm. early Bon Scott, ACDC. Oh yeah. And there's a couple of versions on it online. If you go to YouTube, mm-hmm. there's a one from 2017. That's a rock and Rio. Right. But then there's another one from 1987. Well, you can get, well, that's what I noticed about YouTube with guns and roses is you can get lost on all these remakes. Yeah. I mean, you can, all these re-recordings, these sound city, the sound, the sound city recordings are Awesome. Yeah. If you ever get a chance, go on and, and, and listen to the Guns N' Roses Sound City recordings because they, they definitely have a different sound. And, oh, yeah. You know, you sit back and you're like, oh, I wish, you know, it, 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 maybe they should have recorded the whole album on that soundboard just to see what it what it, what it came out as. I mean, it could be a separate album itself yeah. just with the, the difference in the sound. Um, I want to talk a little bit about best lyrics. Uh Mine is uh, yesterday's. I love um, yesterday. There were so many things I was never told. Now that I'm starting to learn, I feel I'm growing old. And I almost, I almost take that as a um, man. That's my life. Yeah, you, for sure. It, it's just it's it's pretty poetic, and um, that's that's you know if I had to pick, you could sit here and study Guns and Roses lyrics for hours, and not be able to narrow it down. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of one of those things is I got to find a song that I like that I can understand the lyrics fully. And, and this was the one I was like, this is, this is the one that makes sense, the most sense to me. Yeah. And I picked, um, I went traditional with sweet child of mine. It's just, it's a sweet song. You know, it starts off, he's reminiscing. This girl reminds him of his childhood. You know, it's kind of romantic and that's, how I was and kind of always have been is just like a little hopeless romantic and seeing like, Oh yeah. And be <laughs> writing song about somebody or whatever. But then, you know, it picks up and it's, it's a great song, but it was a throwaway song. Like yeah. initially they didn't want, oh, they didn't like, they didn't like it. Slash, Slash didn't like it. Slash riff. hated it. Yeah. <laughs> hated it was just something he used. Like the intro guitar was yeah. something he used to warm around. up. Yeah. They were just playing around. And Axel's like, what's that? I like that. And he's like, that's nothing, man. He's like, no, 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 no. So they lay it down, they do it and they get so far in the song. And then the, the verse at or the line at the end, where do we go now? Is because they were basically at the end of the song. <laughs> they're like, well, we don't know what else to do. Right. So it's like that's what they kept playing, and he just kept saying, well, where do we go now? Where do we? And it just the kind of stuck you with it. With a question though, too, it kind of goes along with the song if you think about it. And you know, yeah, it's it's kind of it's just everything comes together for a reason. And, oh yeah, and I that whole album they were so cohesive on it. And that's what makes it such an amazing album. You ever seen them in concert? No, unfortunately. You know, I, I, in college, it, it takes me back to college. Guns N' Roses is, you know, yeah, they started when I was in high school, but it's more of, 
late high school, college time for me is my biggest memories. And I feel like um, I was getting into Metallica. And yeah. It was almost like I had to pick sides. Sometimes, you know? yeah. I, and it, because you you would hear about their beef later on, and I kind of like. I mean, they're both rock and groups, but I was more of a Metallica guy. And if I had money, and they were kind of touring at the same time, I was going to go to a Metallica concert. Before yeah. I was going to a Guns well, and, Guns and like concert. they had their beef, but there's also tons of pictures that I've come across with them at concerts together, right. on tour together. You know, James Hetfield and Lars, right. And, and Kirk Hammett and everyone, and there's Axel and there's Slash, and everyone's hanging out. So but was that taken before Canada? <laughs> could have been, I'm sure. You yeah. know, and I think you know Axel probably had some personal issues or something going on downfall. But you know, it's that's that's something entirely different. You know, we're talking about the music and what it did to us, and you know, Scott still, still, it just brings everything back. Mm-hmm. You know, it does. Do you have a, a deep cut? A, Something that, you know, and it's hard too because I, I don't think of really any of these as deep cuts, especially uh, on know, Appetite because it's all, right. I think it's all fantastic. You know, if I had to, if it was someone that has listened to Guns N' Roses, they know their hits, but they don't know all their music, I, I think my deep cut would be pretty tied up. Yeah. I mean, that would that would be the the song that I would say, all right, you need to go listen to this song yeah. if, you, if they don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, but I agree with you. There aren't really any deep cuts. Maybe Rocket Queen a little bit. I mean, but again, it was on that album, and you just listened to Appetite, yeah. um, and you just went through. It's like I thought. Mm-hmm. I like. I like think about you, and I don't. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I don't think of it like as a necessarily deep cut, but that's Stephen Adler song, or no, it's an it's an Izzy song. Mm-hmm. Izzy wrote that song. Izzy, you know everything, and he you know put that sucker mm-hmm. out, and it's just it's it's great. Do you have any? Um, any listener of the week that you want to mention? We'll yeah, my boys Doug and Eric, big big Led Zeppelin fan, or not Led Zeppelin, Ace or Guns and Roses fans. I got all my metal bands confused <laughs> in my head here. What what were we talking about for almost an hour? I know, uh, huge Guns and Roses fans. So I want to give them a, a big shout out here. Okay, um, I want to. My listener of the week would be my sister. She listened. It's been we've been on for a few months now, and she finally listened to our episode on uh, Bob Seger, and she had some good things to say about that. So, my sister Jelaine, um, give her a shout out. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of the music that makes us. Uh, um, we really enjoy bringing you just a little bit of knowledge and bringing back some memories from your day with with the songs that are being played. Uh, we encourage you to check us out on um, at the music that makes us on Facebook and Instagram uh, for f- for future episodes and to listen to past episodes. You can just go to those pages and find them. I'm Donnie Z. I'm Randy T. And this was the music that makes us. Thanks for coming in, everybody. Thank you.